Where are you? These are the words of God to the first man, in the name of the living God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So there was a priest serving out in Granbury. Fairly young guy, a little new in the ministry, but he was faithfully serving there for about a year or two. And like a lot of priests, he was pretty introverted. He loved to study, he loved to plan Bible studies and sermons, but he didn't really get out of the office much. So after a particular Sunday when attendance was a little low, he called up a mentor. He called up a, a priest who had served 30 years and he just unloaded. The young priest complained, you know, I've, I've been here for a couple of years now. We, we should be growing and, and we're just not. And I don't know what to do anymore. I've offered Bible studies. I, I know I've gotten better at preaching. I spend hours and hours every week planning and prepping for all that goes on on Sunday morning. And I, I'm just not sure it's doing any good. So the old priest says, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, all right. Tell me, Father, when was the last time you visited a parishioner at his house? The young priest had no reply. So he knew he should go out and visit his people more. And wouldn't you know it, he had just the guy in mind. There was a guy who used to be very active, serving in various ministries. He read on Sunday, he led prayers, he led local missions. Whatever it was, he did it. But since the guy retired, he started traveling a little bit more and just not coming to worship that much. So the young priest decided to pay this guy a visit. He puts down the book he was reading, leaves the church building, drives out to the guy's house, and he's not even sure if the guy's home or not. But he gets to the house, he, he walks up to the driveway, and he's getting a little nervous because he's an introvert, but knock, knock, knock on the door. Almost immediately, he hears movements. He hears rustling. Someone is definitely home. He doesn't hear a voice, but he hears someone almost running away from the front door area. The young priest knocks again, and again. And after about a minute or two, he leaves his card by, on the door, and he writes, Revelation 3.20. Kind of passive-aggressive, huh? A few days later, it's, it's Sunday morning, and lo and behold, the guy is there at Mass. The young priest kind of smirks to himself as, as he sees the guy and, and the worship begins. So after the Eucharist, after the coffee hour, the people are going home, the young priest is going back to his office, and he notices a card on his door. No name, no contact, but the note says Genesis 3.10. Well, the young priest knew that it had to come from that retired guy, but he didn't know that scripture quote. So, so he goes into his office, he opens his Bible, and he reads. <laughs> Maybe the priest chose the wrong time to visit. Our first reading today comes from the first book of the Bible in the third chapter, so yeah, it's part of that whole beginning of things. And very early on, in the third chapter of the whole narrative of Scripture, we have this story of the first man, the first woman, in a garden, and a talking serpent. 
So for Christians and non-Christians alike, this is already a stumbling block to a very rational faith we have. So let me just say that whether we choose to read this literally or in a more mythological, more poetical sense, the story is meant to communicate that there is a fall from a perfect creation. Our disobedience to the good and loving Father. The reality of sin, of suffering, of pain and death. In this brief reading we have this morning, it's Genesis 3, 1 through 21, is the story of the fall and the first gospel. What do we mean by the fall? It means we messed up. At the end of creating everything, God said that it was very good. God created humanity to be stewards of his good creation, to be in a right and a good relationship with him. And somewhere in this episode, man chose to disobey. And we lost that sense of innocence and intimacy. You know, a lot of people today, Christians and non-Christians alike, we, we tend to focus on the negatives of the Christian faith, don't we? Don't do this. Don't do that. Oh, you can't do that. On and on and on. That's a very old, a very dangerous trick, and it's wrong. Here in the third chapter of Genesis, the question is asked, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The answer is no. God never said that. Quite the opposite. God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden except one. There was only one tree that was holy, that, that was set apart, or to put it in a negative connotation, one no to an overwhelming yes. But that's what we do. We tend to focus on the negative instead of the overwhelming positive. We got to stop that. We got to know, we got we to communicate that our faith is about the freedom of following God's perfect will for us. Okay, so there's, there's one rule, right? And we break it. We can't even follow one rule. So what happens? The punishment doesn't really go to the man and to humanity itself. It, it, it actually tragically goes to all of creation. Cursed is the ground, God says. And we really don't need to convince ourselves of this reality. Hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, floods, all the destruction of lives and property. It's because God's good creation is fallen. To the human side of things, sickness, depression, illness, cancer, all of it is because of the fall. Human behavior, murder, hatred, racism, sexism, the result of our fallen humanity. It's not what it's meant to be. And I think deep down, people already know this, but all too often, we take the easy way out and we blame somebody else for this. Again, this goes all the way back to Genesis. The woman blames a serpent, right? Remember that? Who does the man blame? You might think the woman, right? But maybe he blames God. The man says, the woman that you gave me she gave me fruit, and I ate. My friends, what, what's changed from the story? We continually want to blame somebody else, and sometimes we even blame God, don't we? 
we got to stop that too. We got to see the reality that we live in a good world, but it is fallen, and we can't blame God for that. Instead, we are to walk close with God, not hide from Him because of shame or fear or anger, but walk with Him. Listen, learn, and follow. Little side note about blaming in the story. A common misconception is to blame the woman, and, and that's what it is. It's a misconception. There's actually a very beautiful, poetic scene at the end of the story. After the fall, okay, after God's decree, then the woman is given the name Eve because Scripture says she was the mother of all the living. The name Eve means living. There's a great, wonderful reversal going on here. The, the woman who, who first offers the fruits that leads to death, now she offers the womb that contains life. And guys, maybe this comes from that I've recently witnessed pregnancy for over, over four weeks. And I say witnessed, not participate. I've witnessed pregnancy for about 40 weeks. I've witnessed a mother taking care of her completely dependent baby for about five weeks now. Guys, women are a lot tougher than us in a lot of ways. Amen to that? Thank you. But theologically speaking, there's, there's something amazing, something very beautiful that happens after the fall. The woman bears the key of life. She is the keeper of life. Okay, so Genesis 3 is about the fall and the first gospel. Genesis 3, 15. Put on the screen behind me. Humor me, maybe we can read this together. God says this to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Thank you. This is a crucial verse of Scripture. It's what we call the first gospel. You see, pretty much after the fall, God knew immediately how he was going to fix the problem. All of creation was fallen, and God knew how he was going to redeem all of creation, how he was going to reverse that curse. And the answer, the seed of the woman. Even in Genesis 3, there is a pointing forward to Jesus Christ. He is the seed that will give the fatal head blow to sin and evil and darkness. Jesus is the new Adam. He's the new gardener who redeems and restores a fallen creation and humanity. Jesus is the new man. He shows us what it means to love God and to love others perfectly. Jesus is the one and only who defeats evil, conquers sin, and destroys death. By his life, he offers us forgiveness of sins and a close walk with God. By his death, he gives us the freedom from sin and the freedom to love others. And by his resurrection, we get a glimpse of that new reality, a new hope of eternal life. So, my friends, like God asked Adam, where are you? If you feel separated or far from God, Jesus, the Lord of life, is knocking at the door to eat with you. If you've been holding on to some shame or fear or guilt or anger, Jesus, who is the friend of sinners, he's knocking at the door to eat with you. 
If you're hurting physically, spiritually, emotionally, if you're tired, if you're finding no meaning or purpose, Jesus, the lover of souls, he's knocking on the door to eat with you. Let him in and stay with him always. Amen.